0: Hi, welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Hey, Graham. Hey, how's it going? Pretty well. This is Rob. Uh, That's Graham. You might not be able to notice, but you might notice I've got a little bit of a head cold. So apologies there. And Graham, I just want to give a little bit of a warning. Sad note. uh, We kind of talked about this before. Uh, I've had some issues with my family, so we're going to try and keep the episodes running on time. But we might be delayed a little bit. Just a heads up for anyone who's listening.
1: Absolutely, and I just wanted to say that Rob might try to fool you with that head cold. He was actually just really emotionally involved with our uh, movie today, "A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Six: Freddy's Dead." Get out of here! Now, please, now. Hey, you forgot the power glove. No.
0: New Line Cinema has said, "You know what? I think it's time to just kill off Freddy."
1: Yeah, after five, I think every executive at New Line is like, yep, we're out of ideas. We Don't think we can do this. We can't carry this on very much longer. So let's go and try to bring some excitement to the series and and give Freddy a final send-off.
0: So we start off and you've got the John Doe character, right? And he's having some weird dream sequence.
1: Yeah, he's in an airplane and it turns out he's dreaming and Freddy is haunting the airplane and there's like this uh, sort of a riff on what goes on in uh, Wizard of Oz.
0: Oh Uh, yeah, because he falls out of the airplane but then he wakes up in his bed but then he's still in a dream and
1: then Freddy's on a broom. And what does Freddy say there? uh, I'll get you and your little soul too. So when the audience sees uh, Freddy Krueger outside the window on a broom, a la uh, Wizard of Oz, that should really set the tone for what we're about to see for the rest of the film. Kind of some goofy, kind of Looney Tunes humor almost.
0: Prior to the story opening, you know, you've got your quotes, like most of the other movies have, and then you've got this weird John Carpenter-esque text scrolling about how there's no teenagers in Springwood anymore and now one is left and freddie sends john doe to springwood this kid is the final elm street kid right and john so doe. and he's gotten away and that's why freddie takes him back to springwood absolutely and when
1: he arrives in springwood he goes to a juvenile home
0: um, well, he wanders around, not sleeping, and he gets taken in at a juvenile home. He has amnesia, and they try and help him. The doc, who's Billy Zane's
1: sister, correct? Yeah, she's Billy Zane's sister in real life, uh, Lisa Zane. Um, and I, Maggie. Her name's Maggie in the film. Yeah, I can't remember what else she's been in. I, I think this, that's the only movie I've ever seen her in. Lisa Zane decides she wants to help
0: John Doe. His to discover interest, his identity, right? Will discover his identity to jumpstart his amnesia. She takes him back to Springwood. Gotcha. At the same time that some of these other kids at the juvenile delinquent home have decided they're going to sneak out by hiding in the back of that van.
1: Yes, which ultimately leads to them meeting
0: Freddy. We'll get into those individual characters a little bit later, but suffice it to say we find out that all, there's there's no children in this town, so everyone any adult that encounters these kids either yell at them or act like
1: they're not there. When Maggie's trying to help John Doe f- discover his identity, they meet a doctor played by uh, Yafa Kodo, um, who you probably uh, might have seen in Alien or uh, the Schwarzenegger vehicle, The Running Man. And at this point, they sort of uh, discover john doe's identity and that he may be in fact the son of freddy Krueger, who he conceived before he became freddy Krueger.
0: he also then discovers that if you hold on to freddy and wake up you can bring freddy into the real world we also discover a lot of discoveries in this movie maybe because they're trying to end it that freddy gets his powers through dream demons that asked him upon being burnt to death what he wanted, and his answer, Graham He wants it all. It's so ridiculous. Uh I can't remember if this happens after that scene or before, but when John Doe is in his dream sequence where he dies, he has this back and forth with Freddie where he goes, You won't kill me, I'm your son. And he's like And Freddy says something along the lines of like wrong again and then kills him drops him on the bed of spikes as he's dying he wakes up he's being held in Maggie's arms and he says it wasn't a son Fred Krueger had a daughter there's two more women leads in this movie what do we do who is
1: it yes two possible choices yeah the whole time Um, we're thinking it's John Doe freddie's daughter is in fact lisa zane
0: it's not long after i think that's once it goes into the uh the dream state where maggie or lisa zane's character has to wear the glasses in person she becomes part of this flashback series where we see finally robert england well there's a few times through the series where you see robert england not in
1: Freddy makeup but this time as fred krueger yeah and those scenes, in my opinion, are the best in the film. Um, oh,
0: they're amazing. They're shot well. They actually convey some sort of story that's not over the top, but also
1: are just... Well, and let's, let's just go ahead and say I think one of the most unnerving sequences in the entire series is in that flashback scene that Rob is describing through Lisa Zane's perspective as a little girl we watch as she looks on as freddie cougar her father strangles her mother after her mother found the tools that freddie uses in the basement and so he's strangling her and she's pleading with him i'll never tell i'll never tell and it is legitimately pretty haunting and pretty creepy and i think those uh scenes are just so well executed It sticks with you. When it comes for the flashback scenes in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 6, Freddy's dead. I mean, those for me are the highlights.
0: Maggie ends up pulling Fred Krueger out of the dream world. Use a bunch of weapons on him.
1: Brass knuckles,
0: uh, baseball bat with nails, throwing stars, throwing knives. There's like this weirdly too long of a sequence of her throwing knives and stars at Freddy to pin him against the wall. And then she puts on Maggie puts on Freddy's glove because it's been knocked off and Freddy is stabbed with his own glove, which that metaphor would be great if that actually killed Freddy. They then go one more step where the other woman who's in the scene throws her a pipe bomb. She puts that into Freddy's chest and he blows up and she's like, oh, Freddy's dead. Roll credits.
1: Yeah, it's 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 so lame. And the irony of Freddy's dead is that the deaths in one, three, and even four are better final deaths than the bullshit dynamite uh, throwing star scene that we get? That was, I mean, it was like the scene was written for Steven Seagal. I don't know what the hell they were thinking, but I, you can't miss the irony that Freddy's Dead has one of the worst endings for Freddy. But I think that's mainly because that whole last
0: 20 minutes is completely. In 3D, and Hollywood is
1: still making 3D movies. I personally have have never seen a 3D film that's blown my mind. I've seen some 3D films that I've appreciated because of the gimmick factor. For example, um, My Bloody Valentine from the 1980s was done in 3D, and that's a fun movie. Friday the 13th Part 3D is a fun movie, but they're not game changers. I mean, no. I can't think of any of my favorite films. And say to myself, "Man, that would be better, or somehow improved, if it was done in 3D."
0: Our audience probably doesn't want to hear us just complain about 3D movies all the time. Um, if you do, go to our second podcast,
1: complaining about 3D movies with Robin Graham. Let's talk about Peter Jackson. Oh, okay, yeah. Peter Jackson was the original. Well, he wrote the original script um, for *A Nightmare on Elm Street* Part Six, and it wasn't called Freddy's Dead*. It was called something else. And I actually think this is the best uh, working title for a Freddy film: *The Dream Lover*. Oh, it sounds sexy. I just that I would go see that movie. I I would I would go pay a t- uh, buy a ticket for that film. It wouldn't even have to be a *Nightmare on Elm Street* film. Just title it *The Dream Lover*, and I'm there. So yeah, Peter Jackson did the original script, and he was actually supposed to do direct. Um, and that sort of fell through whenever Rachel Talalay took over, and we'll get to her in a second. Um, but I wanted to quickly mention that Peter Jackson and New Line Cinema had such a great working relationship on Nightmare on Elm Street Part 6 that it sort of set the foundation uh, for the Lord of the Rings films that would come years later
0: definitely uh bob shay was just like oh we should probably give this guy who has an eye for detail a job again
1: uh yeah let's we're gonna keep that guy's
0: number let's talk about rachel Talalay. she asked to be the director of this film and she told bob when he said okay that she did not want to call it a nightmare on elm street she wanted to call it freddie's dead the final nightmare
1: yeah, that's right, Robin. I just wanted to say real quickly that Rachel Talley is the first woman to uh, write and direct a Nightmare on Elm Street movie.
0: Yeah, it's which is incredible because we got so many weird directors like Jack Shoulder, and then we get this awesome person who worked as a producer on Pink Flamingos all the way at the end.
1: Yeah, Rachel is a person that, in the film industry that worked herself from the bottom all the way to the top. Um, she was a PA on some early... Uh, New Line Cinema films. Uh, she was helped with distribution on some early John Waters pictures, and she just kept on working up the ranks to finally becoming a producer on the Nightmare on Elm Street films. And then she asked Bob if she could direct Number Six, and again, I think she did. There are there are some really brilliant moments in that film. Some of the best scares in the in the series come from this film. The thing about this film is that I think the cast really works. For some reason, they just got a group of actors that really worked well with each other. The face that you may recognize is Brecken
0: Meyer was the stoner skater kid in Clueless, and he was the stoner skater kid in Freddy's Dead. Oh no, he's being typecast.
1: And then one of my favorites, Leslie Dean. Yeah, she's great. And um, it us point out that both Lisa and Leslie survive till the end of the film. Yeah, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. It's it- always great when people like actually survive horror films,
1: especially when they're full-fledged characters. Yeah, characters that you actually like. Um, I've heard complaints that th- this movie has too many survivors, but what are you going to do? Yeah, three. Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to go into
0: Leslie Dean a little bit. Um, I think it's... Important to say that she actually stopped acting and started doing some, like, dance pop and, like, glitter punk bands. There's Femme to Femme, which has been known to be a controversial band. I don't exactly know why I've never really followed up with Femme to Femme. I'm guessing they had lyrics that people didn't like in the 90s. And then I think her current band is called Scary Cherry and the Bang Bangs. But it really reminds me of when Marilyn Manson came out with Mechanical Animals. It's a glam goth kind of yeah. look. And, uh, and I think that's cool. She's been quoted as to say, though, that uh, Freddy's Dead actually brought back some memories for her of some troubling times in her own youth, which she then felt like she needed to take a break from acting and face before moving on. And I think that's kind of why she took a turn more towards music than going back into the film. Because I can only imagine going through something tough like that and
1: having to then go,
0: okay, I'm going to go back into the movies. Maybe it'll bring up another horrible
1: memory. Yeah, that's not something you want to come to grips with on set. Uh, Definitely. But um, I wanted to really quickly mention one of my uh, favorite actors out there is Ricky Dean Logan. And if there are any noteworthy directors that happen to listen to this show, please cast Ricky Dean in more movies. He's amazing. Um, He plays the character Carlos, who has the hearing aid. Uh, in this film is actually a really cool death um, but I just thought he was the coolest actor around and I, I honestly Rob when I was a kid I used to try to dress like him I had that jean jacket with the hoodie you know who he reminds me of who's that Richard Grieco in 21 Jump
0: Street but cooler
1: I, I oh, no, very I, much cooler I, yeah like he's not I,
0: an undercover cop for one
1: yeah and he's not so into himself and he's not all about trying to be a jerk And then, of course, uh, Yafek Kato, who we already talked about. Okay,
0: so, Graham, I think there's a supporting cast we need to talk about. Three people in this film that I was surprised to see. It would have been more influential, I guess, at the time, but it was still pretty shocking to go back and watch these and go, oh, yeah, this scene has Roseanne and Tom Arnold. Yeah, and that's the scene where, when they're stuck in Springwood, they go to this county fair or town fair, some small little carnival of sorts and all of the adults see these teenagers and start shouting at them or ignoring their existence and then at some point Roseanne pops out of the corner and starts like mauling all these kids pinching their cheeks and telling them that she wants to just take them home and Tom Arnold mullet and all comes around and grabs Roseanne and says what are you doing it'll bring him back we can't have any kids around here and then that scene's quickly over after that, and you're left with this eerie suspicion that they know about Freddy. Uh, stuff that you as an audience already know, but it was just kind of funny to see Roseanne and Tom in that scene.
1: It's it's a charming scene. I mean, wh- what can we say? Um, also in the cast is Alice Cooper, who plays Freddy Krueger's father. And in this scene, he comes down the stairs into his basement and finds a young Freddy Krueger there, cutting himself, and Alice Cooper says, alright, Freddy, it's time to take your medicine, and he's about to hit him with a belt, and uh, Freddy says that he's been able to control his pain, that he can endure. So some none ca- of the some belt kind of lashings...
0: Lame- <laughs> yeah, none of the belt lashings even hurt him, and he starts chuckling at Alice Cooper. It's all... Re- it's a
1: little over the top, if you ask me. Yeah, sure. And, of course, um, Alice Cooper was hot off his cameo from uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness that I think came out a couple of years before this. And soon to be on uh, Wayne's World.
0: Yes, of course. Milliwake, Which is Algonquin for The Good Land. Let's talk about some of the best kills in this one.
1: Okay, really quickly, my favorite is uh, Carlos, um, again, played by Ricky Dean Morgan. And um, he has a hearing aid um, that uh, Freddie replaces with his own brand of a hearing aid, um, which connects to his uh, brain. And then Freddie whips out a chalkboard and starts clawing at the chalkboard, and Carlos's head explodes.
0: I like the Breckenmire death because he's laying on the couch, getting stoned, watching TV. He gets sucked into the TV through some weird psychedelics and then is controlled by Freddy through a video game until he is beaten to death by a video game character of his own dad. Freddy Krueger actually uses the line, now I'm playing with power, which was a copywritten line from Nintendo. And then later... You forgot about the Power Glove, which was a video game glove, like, like the Nintendo Power Glove, except connected to Freddy's glove. And Nintendo threatened to sue them, and Bob Shea said, let him sue. But did Nintendo ever sue Graham? They
1: never did, um, but I will say that um, they sold a lot of Power Gloves because of that darn Freddy movie.
0: I bet they did. And I don't know if you ever actually used a Power Glove back in the day. Not, not, I mean,
1: I wasn't blown away. Um, Rob, you're being kind. The fucking thing didn't work. It it, it it, was, It, you know, for those that don't know what a power glove is, it's like an early version of the Wii, Nintendo Wii. And it looked really cool. It was like this glove that had all these buttons on it. And you looked like a cool kid if you had that in the 80s. But the thing did not function.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, they sold even more gloves when The Wizard came out and they had that cool kid in that movie who said... I love the Power Glove. It's so bad.
1: Yeah. That was at a time when bad meant good. Yeah, yeah, you really hear that anymore. The uh, masterpiece Wizard, uh, the one line from that film that I remember the most is, California? And let's not forget Jenny Lewis, one of the
0: greatest songwriters of our time, I'd say. There you go. Anyway, anyway, we're we're talking about Freddy. We're not talking about the wizard. But Um, getting
1: back to that scene, Rob, um, I wanted to just say that, yeah, the Nintendo scene is goofy and really out there. But great graphics, man.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay, so what's funny is, is some promo for this movie, they threw a funeral for Freddy.
1: Yeah, they had um, a lot of cast members from the franchise come to actually wish uh, Freddie, to send off Freddie at an actual uh, cemetery.
0: And then there was the whole, uh, the news covered it and they they interviewed Rachel and they asked, is there a chance that Freddie's going to come back? And she was like, no, 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 absolutely not. You will never see another Freddy film. Three years later, we got something uh, for our next episode.
1: Yeah, well, three years later is the 10th anniversary of the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series. And Bob's not about to let that go.
0: Oh, yeah. So we bring back Wes Craven, Heather Langenkamp, John Saxon, and
1: uh, a pretty crazy story. I think that seven is one of the absolute best films in the series. Again, I kind of go by the rule that the films that Wes Craven is involved with are always the best ones. But uh, decide for yourself. Let us know what you think.
0: Yeah, hey, before we wrap this up, though, Graham, I think we need to touch back on something we talked about in episode one. What's that? Johnny Depp makes an appearance in
1: this film. That's right. That's right. Johnny Depp does have a, a, a small cameo uh, in a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Six, Freddy's dead. Um, where he basically—it's a "This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs." Kind of. If anybody remembers that um, PSA about uh, anti, anti-drug PSA from the 1980s, um, I think it was kind of a play on that. Yeah, they reshot
0: one that he was doing, and then Freddy Krueger smashes Johnny Depp's face with a
1: frying pan. So technically, Johnny Depp was killed by Freddy twice.
0: Mm, yeah, because Nancy doesn't die again.
1: Yeah, I think Johnny is the only character to be killed twice. Hmm, Save interesting. That for your
0: trivia night, folks. There you go. Um, so, when Graham and I return, we're going to be
1: talking about Wes Craven's new nightmare. Yeah, and I think it's a great film from 1994. If you have watched all the films up until now, that's great because now you got a great ender for it. I want to say, once again, thanks to Max Yoder. He
0: donated money to our Patreon page. He is our employer. And if yeah. you'd like to be our employer, then you can donate too. We've got a few rewards. One of them is us saying thank you. And then, like I said, uh, we're going to try not to delay, but uh, I'm going to be making a couple of trips here soon. Um, Graham and I will definitely need to be watching these films. We love talking about them. Uh, send us an email pumpkin spice podcast at gmail.com. Please give us a rating and review. Tell us what you thought on iTunes. You can also find this on Google Play, Stitcher, Acast. Thanks for sticking with us so far. And great. Thanks for doing another episode.
1: Yeah, no problem. I also wanted to mention to uh, the listeners out there, let us know what horror films you're watching this season, and we'll judge you accordingly.
0: What would you say that Nightmare 6 or Freddy's Dead is a mix between? If you had to choose two things,
1: what would you say this is a mix between? I would say John Waters' Crybaby and David Lynch's Twin Peaks.